And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, the 24th, 21st of April. Got to get the date right. Um, and we're back to normal. Phil's back from holiday. Phil, how are you? I'm very good, Andrew, and well rested after a very pleasant Easter. And obviously, um, you know, I, I, we had a special guest last week, um, and um, we, I think our list numbers went up. Did they? So you've got a bit of a challenge, Phil, today. You've got to actually, you know, really get some interesting stuff out so that people want to listen to you as well. All right. Thank you for that. I will do my best, Andrew. <laughs> I'm so kind. Look, you're going to have to do your best today because I've actually been pretty tied up today. But it's, the reason I've been tied up is um, we had an announcement today out of Tungsten West, uh, a mining company in Tungsten that we look after in um, West Devon. But... Some of it is quite important because basically their issues are, and this is going to hit every company in the market, um, and it's things we've been discussing on this podcast before, but their issues are that their costs are going through the roof, energy costs in particular. Um, but it's across the board, and, and there is across the whole market, this massive increase in costs for so many companies, and yet the consumer is being squeezed on the other side. I mean, a lot of people will be getting their April pay packets fairly soon, yourself included, Phil. Thank I think you. yours comes tomorrow. And you may get a little bit of a shock, dare I say it, because uh, the national insurance hike kicks in, tax codes change, and people's pay packet is going to be a lot smaller. And yet we've seen, you know, food prices potentially up 37%. We know energy prices have virtually doubled. This is going to, unfortunately, I think, throw up some nasty shocks in the market. Um, now, one of the interesting things about technology is that tech, tech tends to be a people business. Uh, your costs are people, and they're not flying up quite so badly. So technology stocks should actually perform better in this market. Um, anyway, that's my sort of little intro, for want of a better word. Um, I'm sure you don't disagree with me. Phil, anything, else, any, anything else you want to put? Any more yeah, petrol yeah. you want to put on that fire? Well, what I would do, um, Procter & Gamble had their results out, and so did Unilever. Um, and it was interesting to see that for both of them, <coughs> excuse me, I mean, they're seeing, they're seeing sales growth. Um, and they're seeing it despite, despite price rises uh, in the market to, you know, to accommodate some of these, these increases in, in costs um for them which i, I thought was quite, was quite interesting so so in inflation you know they're, they're big providers of consumer products both procter gamble and unilever so passing on price rises but but still you know products proving to be sticking i think for you know for consumer products it's the strength the old strength of the brands um that's going to be important in an inflationary environment and how consumers consumers spend so yeah that's my one comment on that now, i don't disagree with you that a strong brand would always you know be attractive but i think to a certain extent both those results are backwards looking oh they no are one quite, yeah. no that's one right. quite knows what the future is and yeah basically the future starts tomorrow at the end of april as people get their pay packets um yeah. so i'm afraid I, I see a lot of bloodshed coming forward and i think a lot of them certain stocks in the market People have thought, oh, no, they're doing fine. They're, they're not struggling. It's all fine. It's fine. No, it's not all fine. It's bloody awful out there. Um, watch out for the next six months. Let's just hope and it is a, tran a transitionary thing. I think it's all one can hope. Um, and that actually, you know, inflation and costs do come 
whizzing back. But, you know, it'll take time. We, we're, we're, we're yet to see. Um, and look, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. And one of the bits of news certainly I picked up this week, which fascinated me, um, was actually that Siemens Gamesa Renewable Energy basically had a huge profits warning out there. Not a surprise. They've had about four already this year. Uh, they had to sell off their, their um, European wind farms to SSE, which I think was a great move, by the way, by SSE. Um, but, you know, there's a, a business you'd think renewable energy, transitional energy should be booming, but it's not, you know, I mean, they've obviously got their own internal issues. There's been a lot of management change, um, but costs are catching people out. You know, when you're building wind farms, there's a hell of a lot of steel you're putting in there. Steel prices have gone through the roof um, and yet they're not able to extract um, an, an additional price from their end customer. So it hurts badly. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of that deal? Yeah. Well, I, that gets back to the thing. I, I think sometimes there's a test of the power of the brand and the te- you know of what you're selling. I was reading. Did you see Tesla's results? Now, again, yes, they're they're backward looking, but and they've had price rises, and they of course are impacted massively by you know potentially by supply and raw material, more material costs. Yet they're managing that all very, very well to get the volumes out that they managed to do in the last quarter. But nonetheless, people were still buying the the vehicles. So this really is going to come down to that old thing of pricing power in the market. And that's why you and I, you know, we've been looking at companies and looking at the margins that they make and why we focus on that, because it's their ability to pass on all the costs that they're absorbing from whatever reason um, onto their customer base and yet still sell. So, you know, we'll we'll be focused, as always, on companies that do generate good, strong margins because it does reflect, you know, the real demand for the product. But, yeah, it's tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I did obviously test a $3.1 billion, uh, $3.3 billion, so profit, which is about $2.5 billion sterling. Um, Look, I think, uh, and deliveries, by the way, were up 68%, which shows that, you know, the EV revolution really is happening. Um, what I would say there, though, is that one of the reasons that the costs probably aren't hitting people quite so much, it's, it's may only be true in this country, but I don't believe it's totally true in just this country, because in this country, you can basically get a Tesla at half price if you run it through the company, because mm-hmm. there are such big subsidies. So that obviously helps people um, wean themselves off, shall we say, um, the, the, well, keeps, the, the price increases from hurting them quite so much. Yeah, yeah. But as you, you rightly point out, we are entering a new, <clears throat> a very new environment now where inflation, certainly near term, is is sticky and now having its impact. Yep. Right. So uh, what what else have you spotted? Oh, I, I, guess, I guess let's keep on. I guess let's keep on the sort of theme of, you know, economy and inflation. Uh, the U.S., you know, it's U.S. reporting season for first quarter and. Um, you know, like, like, absolutely right. This is backward looking, but very recent backward looking. Um, IBM have their results um, and very well known for software and its consulting business. And I only realized that IBM, like its transactions, so transaction processing, so credit card processing, you know, it's, it's uh, technologies used for that. But IBM, this caught more eye, IBM. So their revenues were up 7.7% year on year. Um, and this is strong demand for hybrid cloud, 
which is like public cloud and you know IBM has its solutions, Microsoft, and then private data centers, so hybrid cloud. AI are driving software and consulting, but what caught my eye, and this is things to do like recessions and, and spend environments, was their consulting revenues. Um, they Their consulting revenues were up from 4.2 billion to 4.8 billion, and the margins were up. Well, you know, when the environment's tough, spending is, you know, spending environment is sensitive. Things like consulting uh, can get pushed you know, can get pushed back. So, so is so looking at sort of number of these results, Andrew, it's quite interesting in terms of economic strength, where spend is actually going on in in mm. in businesses, and that was quite eye catching. Um, ASML in chip manufacturing systems, they do what are called lithography systems that set out chip structures, and they're seeing continued very strong semiconductor demand. Um, there and try and fulfil the order book backlogs that they've got, but semiconductors again are you know so widely used. They're used by businesses. They're used in consumer electronics, but they're they're seeing strong demand. It's kind of watching these results come through, Andrew, and getting a sense for what's actually happening to demand out there in terms of capital spend and, and operating spend. So that was that was quite. I thought that was quite interesting. And I was like, there's UK news as well. And we'll get onto that. Yeah, look, I mean, I think the semiconductor space, obviously, you know, is, is fairly well publicised. It's been a, a big squeeze, um, um, a shortage. Prices have been able to be pushed because there is shortage. You know, basically everything doesn't function with nowadays without a semiconductor. But again, my only worry is, you know, think how many semiconductors go into mobile phones. Um, suddenly, you're going to have millions of people who just won't be maybe able to afford to upgrade their phone or even use a phone. You know, it's interesting, wasn't it, that Netflix first time ever it's seen subscriber numbers go down um you know and that's sort of telling you that actually the consumer is being squeezed and okay so what has the consumer been buying that he actually potentially can no longer you know decides i can cut that off i don't need it okay everybody can make their phone probably last another 12 months i mean i don't know about you but i, I make the phone last for bloody ever i can't stand changing my phone um because i get to work out how to use it and i can get a new one i don't know how to bloody work the bloody thing um so i think that you know i can see that phone demand could go down pcs you can make them last a bit longer um you know an ev an ev car that's a big decision you're moving to ev that's not something you can delay probably i mean you can delay you can stay with your old petrol car but actually, actually the, that doesn't save you money probably so you know i can see that consumer electronics they are they are a discretionary item to a large, to a certain extent. Yes, they're, they're pretty vital nowadays, but I think that you probably in six months time, we may start to see some warnings coming out of people like Apple and these sort of people just saying the consumer is not spending quite so much money. Yeah, I mean, the Netflix under a T, what caught me off me about that was, you know, what's, I can't, I, I'm a Netflix subscriber, was it 10 quid a month getting on there? It's not exactly big ticket consumer spend. And yet it's all, they're already seeing seeing spend reducing and, and on the semiconductor side absolutely right you know as a chunk of the semiconductor market that is consumer electronics and will be soft and the, the industry is hugely cyclical anyway in the way it works so we could see changes there but all of those changes are maybe softening in demand in certain sectors and stuff starts to bring inflation down so we will you know see how it's uh and, it, and it's where is inflation occurring as well in the whole supply chain you, you know it's energy costs primarily but also supply actual 
supply chain costs and will the supply chains ease if things slacken off so it's a real moving feast that's for sure well i mean at the moment there's, there's no end in sight of this wretched war in ukraine which means energy prices are likely to stay high because that's you know we're having to cut off all the russian uh, energy um supply chains i mean China has still got so many issues um, in terms of lockdowns due to the zero COVID policy. Whether you think it's right or wrong is it is irrelevant. They have got supply chain issues. Um, the cost of steel, which you know so many people use steel in containers and things like that, is still through the roof. Um, there's going to be at least another. You know, it'll be at least till 2023 next year, I think, before you start seeing these things soften off. But then I do agree that they could soften off quite quickly because demand could just completely collapse. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it can. And, that, and that's why, you know, we're looking at these results coming through. It's like, where is spend still occurring? You know, and especially when you start to see capital spend come off. I remember, you remember Lehman's and when the markets, um, you know, fell and we moved into recession. But the, like the first thing you see, I mean, obviously, you always see companies cut their travel costs, get cut pretty quickly. Marketing expenditure gets cut, you know, the classic low hanging fruit. But when you start to see capital spend coming off, and that's always a key business decision, capital spend, then you know that uh, things really are weakening. And it's looking yeah. out for signs in that. Well, I, I actually think we're already starting to see them. Anyway, uh, what, what news have you got today? I, as you know, I've been um, hanging around. I Cornwall, so you probably picked it up more than I have. Yeah, um, Spectris, uh, tickers SXS, FTSE 250. Uh, we certainly commented on this before. It's um, instrumentation business, so very advanced electronics used to measure noise, vibration, testing aircraft, cars, minerals testing, chemicals testing, all sorts of testing evaluation. Um, and they have bid for Oxford Instruments, if you remember. Um, and Oxford Instruments make scientific instrumentation very widely used in the R&D community internationally in laboratories and in universities. Um, and that bid didn't go ahead. Uh, but Spectris uh, has announced that it sold off um, Omega Engineering to an American private equity uh, rival um, for just under £300 million. And they managed to secure 20 times um EBIT earnings for that, which was it got a good price for it, the looks of it. And they're doing a share buyback as well, three million, three hundred million pound share buyback. So they Spectrus memory and the new chief executive came in about 2018, 2019. So there's quite a bit of change going on there, um, and clearly bolstering their balance sheet up. They're tightening up their product range. So that's worth looking at because you know when you see a company go through change like that, strengthening its balance sheet will focus on its products, could be interesting for growth going forward. It also, Spectrus is interesting to look at, Andrew, because of the in end industries it's exposed to. It's like, uh, you know, automotive, aerospace, pharmaceuticals, paper manufacturing, all sorts of industries. So their commentary is always interesting to watch in terms of economic activity as well. So that was that. Yeah, they actually, for what it's worth, Bill, they got just over 20 times EBITDA for that business. So it was yeah. a good price. Um, but of course, the stock was smacked after the the... the Oxford failure. Um, right. So yeah, maybe this is a good turning point. Probably time. Mm -hmm. you're, you're right. Time to look at it. Yep. Yep. Um, GB Group. Yes. One my mother owns in her IHT fund, and I have absolutely no idea about it. Um, well, go on. I'll, I'll let you know, Andrew. Now, so you can decide what what you do with it. GB Group. Tickers GBG. Uh, it's 1.5 billion market cap. 
It's a software company and their software is used to identify who you are, uh, where you are located um, and to prevent prevent fraud. So that's that software draws on all sorts of sort of external databases. People like, um, you know, Donna Bradstreet, Experian, they use their data and they put all of it together. Um, and they can identify, I think, from memory, about four billion people. They have their locations, their, you know, their, uh, where, yeah, where they live, who they are, um, and are they who they say they are? And why is that important? Because you think of all those times you order things on e-commerce or you apply for a passport, you apply for documentation, bank accounts. It's all about, are you Andrew Monk? Do you live where you say you live? Are you that person? Um, so now increasingly important as you know everything is digitized is online and e-commerce is growing um, and so they had a trading update um, and they said that there is a full year trading update um, and that they're expecting revenue for the year of 240 million uh 242 million and that their organic growth was expected to be um up ten and a half percent and so they'd seen a one-off benefit from a US uh, program about a year ago. So it was quite a, you know, the like-for-like comparables were, were quite tough. And that was to do, their software was being used in the US um, Paycheck Protection Program under COVID. But they'd also said in this trading update that they're expecting the operating profit margin to be upper end of expectations. So it's quite a strong trading update for them. And their share price had come off as well. Yeah, it came off when all the sort of tech stocks came off, didn't it? Because it was yeah. up at about, uh, up at about 9.50. I mean, it's had a good bounce today up ADP, trading right. at 6.50 today. But actually, if you look at it over 10 years, it's come up from a pound. So it's been a very successful business. It's it's superb. And it's the sort of company that we should definitely have more of on the UK stock markets. And they raised, uh, part of the reason it came off as well, did a placing of £300 million in November last year to make a, a very large uh, US acquisition. Uh, yeah, US identity verification and fraud business, uh, identity fraud business, and they're acquiring that for about five hundred and fifty million pounds. So using the stock markets there very wisely to, you know, to acquire and grow. So yeah, that was a good statement. Um, and let's see how that one does in the current environment. So it, if you think about it, if it's if it's identity checking, particularly exposed to e-commerce and companies trying to grow their business, take on more clients by identifying who they are and trying to avoid fraud, then there's probably some pretty good, you know, growth factors in there for it, despite what could be a, a softer environment. Uh, so that was that. Another one was Cerulean, who again, we've discussed previously, CEOs of Ticket, 240 million market cap. They had a trading update. Uh, their shares are up fourfold in the last five years. I was having a look at uh, Cerulean uh, and Gent software, and it's used for telecommunications billing uh, and customer relationship management. And they work with a with a with a wide number of telcos, and they're particularly benefiting from um, the 5G and fibre rollout because with 5G and fibre, there's all sorts of different telecommunications services being offered over those platforms because they've got higher higher data bandwidth. But they um, they had a, a trading update for their interim period and they're expecting revenues to be 26% higher uh, at £16 million and that's dropping through to an EBITDA which is 48% higher at £7.1 million. So interesting how their profits are growing a lot more stronger than sales. And that's a good that's a good sign there. So that was I thought that was quite good for Cerulean. 
as you, as you say, the last couple of years, they've been performing like a steam train and they're, they're still actually not far off their high now after that good news. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been a tremendous performer. Yeah, yeah, it's just a nice, nice, good quality and consistent business. And, they, and, they, and again, getting back to the environment, because it's exposed to, to 5G and fibre, these are things that are just going ahead. You know, so um, they and it's they're, they're selling to the service providers themselves. It's them that are gearing up the systems uh, to manage it. So irrespective of what is happening to the end customers at the moment, you know, consumers. So so it could to be quite resilient. Um, another training update was solid state. Um, SLI is the, the ticker and that was a full year trading update. Um, they're an electronics business. So you come across them before, Andrew, solid state. Yeah, that's a little bit. Um... But we haven't. We, we've talked a couple of times on this podcast, actually. But it's not one I know well. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Well, they they were a distributor. Well, they, they started off. It's been around for a long time. They started off as a distributor of electronics components, which they still do. Um. But they also have uh, specialist manufacturing in electronics um, that they undertake, and they're exposed into markets like computing and power and communications. So I know they do do subassemblies and systems in that. Um, and they also have some exposure to defence as well. Uh, but they came out with a trading and they're saying that lifelike organic revenue growth is in excess of 8%, um, which is, if one assumes that that's not all price driven, um, is is pretty good. Um, and also, you know, this is a company, if it's, if it's on selling electronic components and also using them in its own its own technology builds will be subject to supply constraints and so it's done well uh, in that kind of you know constrained environment and they've also said that their defense business has been building up and that's now 15 percent of revenue but looking at the the valuation on this it's on 10 times ev bitda uh p is 16 times a 10 percent eps growth is forecast so that's probably not a bad that's probably well worth looking at, actually, especially given how well they have performed, given the constraints in their supply networks. Yeah, they're up, they're up sort of fourfold, aren't they, since the pandemic started? I mean, the market cap's about 90 million. So it's still, a, you know, a tiddler, really, compared with the big boys. Um, and therefore, yeah, look, with a fair wind, could go well. They probably need to make an acquisition, don't they? Yeah. That would not be a bad thing. You have to scale it further. Yeah, yeah. The growth of it, it would be a good, it would probably a good time to do it actually. And given the strength in the share price, I think they've got some cash on the, uh, I think they've got cash on the balance sheet as well. And it's the sort of business where looking at what they're doing, what they're building, that they could acquire around it definitely. Yeah, that's pretty what if I was was them, I would probably be thinking along those lines, should we say? But, uh, mm-hmm. That's my my sort of uh, maverick type thoughts so i noticed uh one of their big sh- i mean they've got some good shareholders actually yeah. shoulders shoulders have got nearly 10 percent um so uh, they're the lead shareholder let's see uh what else you got phil uh, well that was it in terms of, of trading um so the uk trading updates that i've seen i'll tell you what else i noticed would be interesting to you is on the we talked a lot about supply chain and uh, battery metals, but did you see the announcement on Reuters that the uh, US Department of Energy is lending $107 million to Silver uh, Resources, graphite miner? I certainly so did. It, and it's in order to build um, a big 
production facility in America. And it's the first time ever that the US government has lent money to a, to a resource company, not a sort of, you know, direct um, renewable company or a direct, you know, production company. Look, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, Phil. Mm. The US government has got a lot of money it wants to put out. It wants to see US manufacturing capability. Um, and it's certainly something, as you know, you know, I went to the US, God, it was about a month ago now nearly. And certainly part of my reason I was out there was looking at just this sort of situation where you can get US grants to build big manufacturing capabilities to give you an enormous advantage uh, in terms of selling to other US um, consumers that want your product. So yeah, it's a very interesting area. Yeah, and I, no, I'm intrigued. I and mean, all my time in the markets and certainly looking at tech and, and, and the states to see that sort of government intervention i mean i i you know i'm old enough to remember when the japanese at the 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 the, the MITI, uh ministry of information and technology and and they developed they very you know they saw the us dominating the microprocessor markets and semiconductors and they put money in directly to build their internal capability and to see the us doing this is 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 it's actually quite fascinating to see how that actually that develops and that strategy develops uh, I think you'll see more of it. And I mean, the other thing you're probably going to see more and more of, which I know is something that you uh, pointed out to me, Phil, you might want to uh, elaborate on more. But I see that um, Apple are talking a lot about the fact they're now using up to 20 percent of recycled materials in its products, um, which, you know, if you start start increasing that again, will have an impact on some of the people who are producing these materials and one should, probably should be aware of it. Um, but it was interesting. It's recycling gold. It's recycling cobalt. All sorts of things that you maybe didn't think of. Um, and it's doing it with with um, with robots, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I, what 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 struck me about that was, I mean, you've got to remember that Apple is one of the biggest buyers in the market for a lot of these things, be it materials, be it semiconductors, whatever. They've got a huge influence on what they uh, uh, and what happens in the overall supply chain. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this whole inflation, again, it comes back to my bloody age, but, you know, remember when there was high inflation, right, and how inflation eventually comes down. But what happens here, there's so many sort of different factors in that could impact inflation or make it slow down, you know, more quickly. And that, and that is one of the, that, that growth of recycling, but the, the, their influence on supply chain should not be underestimated. Um, and and they do lead, you know, industry. Other other industries look at Apple and look what Apple are doing, and follow it. Yeah, I was quite. It was it was of a bigger scale than I'd expected to see. Look at that Apple report. Yeah, it's a fascinating area to be honest. With you. Tell you what, Phil. Look, I think we probably it's it's an Easter week. A lot of people are on holiday. Uh, we've pretty much used our thirty minutes up. Uh, hopefully, people have enjoyed this, uh, Phil. It's great to have you back. Of course, you're better than all my special guests. <laughs> I love you dearly. It means that when I've got absolutely nothing to say, I'm covered because you have so much knowledge. So all is forgiven, Phil. Thank you, Andrew. I'm delighted to have you back. And as I always say, if anybody's got any questions they want to ask us, stop someone else look at, comments on what we're saying, please do get directly in touch with us. And I hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast and we'll be back again. <laughs> Um, hopefully next Thursday, although next Thursday I'm back down in Cornwall, so I may have to find a different person to have a chat with you, Phil, but we'll work that out nearer the time.
All right. Brilliant. Look forward to it.